Shows that make you laugh. Shows that make you think. Music that moves you. It can only be one place. Universal Broadcasting Network. Tune in at ubnradio.com. Hello, hello, everybody. Happy Easter weekend and uh, Good Friday and also um, Passover. It's Passover. It's Passover. Uh, tonight is Passover, and I, as we are speaking, I am making a noodle kugel, mm-hmm. and um, I just had an incident at a local kosher market where I had uh, pre-bought some kosher chickens, and uh, there was a little bit of a fight at the kosher market. <laughs> John, a little bit of a fight. Anyway, Lori Schwartz here, Tech Trends, impacting your business. Tech Cat here to take you through some fabulous technology trends, and today we're going to talk about content and commerce and how there is a phenomena, a huge trend right now going on online where content, storytelling, video is actually driving retail sales online into baskets and it's really exciting. Hmm. And I'm not talking about just product shots, but actual storytelling around products um, where we're leveraging influencers. So I'm going to get into that in a second, but we also have a fabulous guest who's going to be joining us in a little bit by Skype and that's Eric Hoverman. From, who is the CEO of Hawk Media, and I'm calling him the outsourced CMO, or he actually calls himself that, because his company, Hawk Media, is fascinating. Rather than being a traditional agency who takes on a client, a brand, and helps them with their media and marketing, mm-hmm. Hawk Media actually acts as almost an a la carte agency where any anybody can go to them and say, can you just handle this email campaign, or can you just do this Facebook thing for me, or do a newsletter for me and not have to lay out a big budget and not have to sign a big deal. And it's sort of a modern approach to, to marketing and media. As, um, as many brands, the big ones, move away from what we were calling AORs or agency of record relationships where you sign a big contract and you're with this one company for a long time, this instead is an a la carte agency that, that helps small companies and big ones get work done in a way that's financially reasonable and, and you know, without um, re- really causing a ruckus. Hmm. A ruckus that happened to me today in the kosher market. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, even if I wasn't in a kosher market today, you cannot find an egg, a piece of chocolate, or a piece of matzah because every supermarket has been raided. And I did buy a nice piece of pot roast three days ago. My husband and I went ahead knowing that there would be ruckuses (laughs) throughout Southern Cal. You didn't Um, do Amazon Fresh? No, I didn't do Amazon Fresh because, you know, we like to poke at the pot roast before we buy it. (laughs) Any technology catalyst will tell you that. you got to see the meat before you buy the meat. Um, But it was really in the kosher chickens that today uh, Mm. there was a ruckus. Anyway, getting back to our topic at Mm -hmm. hand, content and commerce. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to set the stage with this before we dial Eric in. But have you ever shopped online where you looked at video of a product before you bought it? Sure. And was it product shots or was it somebody modeling the product? Usually product shots. Product yeah, shots, right. Yeah, because yeah, so, normally I look at technology. Right. Yeah. So gallery shots, product shots, 360s mm-hmm. have been around for a long time. What we're starting to see, which I think is very exciting, is actually leveraging talent um, and we, we call them influencers, but it actually could be someone who just looks good in certain types of uh, clothing or whatever the product is, mm-hmm. modeling, using, contextualizing the product that's being sold. 
So an example of this um, is one of my favorite sites right now who's really, I think, innovating in this space is joyous.com, J-O-Y-U-S.com. And I'm going to um, center the conversation around mostly fashion and style right now in, in the women's demographic because mm-hmm. that's where a lot of this innovation is happening first, okay. which kind of makes sense. But joyous.com actually has um, fashionistas, like women that um, specialize in fashion, um, in a studio, shooting them, talking about a product, wearing the product, um, telling what's good about the product, and showing the many uses of that product mm-hmm. inside of the window on the site. But what also is going on in that window is there's a basket for commerce, and it's all tied together in one unit. And also in that same unit, in that same window, are other accessories and products that map back to the one that the person is talking about. So it's not just product shots. It's actually all about the item and what it goes with and how it works. And you actually get to see it on somebody. And you're hearing from someone that has an expertise. So it's a show? It's like a show. Okay. Yeah, it's like a show. But hmm. it's it's not a, you know, it's not a two-hour talk show. Mm-hmm. It's not a fashion show. Right. It's little video clips mm-hmm. about the product with a person talking about the product. Okay. And what they have come to discover is that you know, revenue goes up, sales go up, engagement goes up mm-hmm. when you have that kind of content talking about a product. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's all enclosed in this unit, this video unit, mm-hmm. they can actually distribute that whole unit. Mm. So what happens is their little sales engine, this little video unit actually goes onto other people's sites for content. So you can find joyous, joyous.com's little video unit with certain products being demonstrated and talked about on people.com. So I'm on people.com and I'm in the fashion style section and I'm reading up about, you know, the latest boho fashion, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm so chic. And <laughs> <laughs> for those of you that don't know bohemian, anyway, <laughs> and what will happen is I'll come across a model talking about a particular item Mm -hmm. and I'll be able to look at other products like it and I'll be able to buy it right then and there. That's actually joyous.com's window. Okay. And they share the revenue with people.com. So it's a whole new business model too. Uh, It's sort of an extension of affiliate marketing. Mm -hmm. People loves it because it gives them well-produced video content Mm -hmm. in the fashion vertical. Joyous loves it because they get distribution. Right. And the consumer loves it because I get to see my product in use. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and it used to be, at least for me, I don't know how you feel about this, but do you buy anything these days without reading a ton of reviews? No. Because online, especially Amazon and Best Buy and a lot of these other sites, mm-hmm. I read extensively me too. Um, about the product. And I do look for use, you know, video footage on products mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. because I, just because I'm a trendmeister, mm-hmm. now I know this is happening, yeah. but also it works. Yeah. You know, because when you can see the product in someone's hand, um, and them using it, and then them talking about the positives and the negatives. So mm-hmm. here's where it gets really interesting is that so then all these commerce sites now are building little studios inside of <laughs> their companies. Mm-hmm. So you see this weird merger now mm-hmm. of Hollywood expertise and content retail technology coming together. Ah. And it's going to be popping up all over the place. And again, it's really starting in that um, fashion style vertical. But mm-hmm. um, other sites that I love that are starting to percolate around this are like um, like Build.com. Have you ever been to Build.com? No. So Build.com is not quite using video, but they have some other really interesting things going on. So what they do is they are basically competitor to Home Depot and Lowe's. Mm. 
mm-hmm. but you never go into a physical store. There is no build.com store anywhere. The entire experience on build.com is basically about satisfying your needs for information about products. So they actually have like experts, you know, on the site and you see their picture Mm -hmm. and you can talk to them and you can ask them questions and um, they're experts in bathroom or in kitchen or in tile. And then when you're looking at products, again, up comes other products that most people buy when they're buying that product mm-hmm. and it gives you instructions on how to install and it tells you, you know, different things, reviews, all that. So it's a complete content experience that replaces the need to go and walk into that store. Interesting. And the thing that serves all of these sites right now is data, right? Mm-hmm. So what's happening to these sites is unlike some of the bigger sites who may not change the user experience for months at a time because they're big engines. I mean, I don't really know, I don't have the information on how quickly Amazon or Walgreens or Walmart or even Target changes their user experience. I suspect it's a big deal Mm -hmm. to do that. But these sites, these nimble modern retail sites that have so much content, actually iterate the user experience continuously because they're looking at what's working. Mm -hmm. Did that video sell fast? Did it go out? Should I move it down and push other product up? and? What, how are people following the video and where are they going online? And they're actually looking at the site, iterating, changing, and moving things around. Now, technology companies have been doing it for a while, though, right? Like, like yeah. Tiger Direct and, yes. and CNET and yeah. various different ones. V- various companies that are um, forced to iterate because they're, you know, they're in that business, mm-hmm. basically, have been doing that for a while. This is more Fashion of, you know, so forth, yeah, this is more of, mm-hmm. exactly. And mm-hmm. also... Um, Really looking at what money is being spent, mm-hmm. like how the revenue is being generated for, per product. Well, I think that's why HSN and, and yeah, various HSN is a leader. Yeah, is a leader, yeah. absolutely. And here's some interesting tidbits from Joyous. I've, I've heard them speak a few times, mm-hmm. and I thought this was very interesting. So first of all, they talk about video commerce being like good narrative and that the product becomes the hero. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about like, here is a great hat. Like there's a story about the hat, mm. you know, and people relate to storytelling. Sure. So if you can grab me on a story, I'm more likely to stay engaged with that product. Right. Mm-hmm. And they also said that it's all about finding and creating the right expert. So um, if that person who's talking about the hat is a known expert in haberdashery, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. which I don't know if any of you knew is a hat person, but (laughs) haberdashery. Um, If they trust that person, if they have cred, that also helps in the sale and Mm -hmm. in the watching of that video. Um, And they said that um, generally around three seconds to three minutes is the length of these videos. If you go longer, people tune out. And Mm -hmm. if you're not long enough, they're not getting all the information they need. Yeah, there's there's some real science to this now. They're, They're actually talking about how commerce content is actually really sticky. Mm-hmm. how um, 55% of users on their site will watch um, watch that product information, whether there's a famous host or a known host or whatever it is. As, soon as, as long as that person can establish credibility, then, then you have the viewer engaged, mm-hmm. right? And then they talked a lot about the need for partnerships like people.com, mm-hmm. you know, native advertising, where you talk about a product as if it's um, editorial. And that's more for eyeballs? For eyeballs, mm-hmm. to get the content out there. Sure. So because you have content, mm-hmm. you start to move into content marketing mm-hmm. and entertainment marketing strategies rather than pure retail. Got it. It's very interesting, it and is. it's... Um, 
it's, I think, interesting because a lot of content companies are moving in the direction of productizing their IP. So, for instance, are you familiar with awesomeness.tv? Mm-hmm. So, awesomeness is a, started out as a multi-channel network, mm-hmm. um, a YouTube channel, um, all about millennial content. It was actually founded by Brian Robbins, who um, was a child actor. Um, in one of those shows, I always forget the show he was on, like Head head of the Class or something like that. He was in one of those shows. Okay. He starts awesomeness.tv. It's all millennial content. It's short form, instant gratification, totally off that whole millennial speed. Mm-hmm. And it does so well, it gets bought by DreamWorks, and then they start expanding. And they're doing movies. They're doing books. And now they're starting to get into products. So if one of their content deals does well if a movie or a show or an idea does well they create products around it shirts um, cooking things uh, dolls whatever it is so now they're becoming a retailer Hmm. and so inside of their universe they have to figure out okay how do I sell this product Mm -hmm. and so now you're seeing the content side of the business move over to retail and they have to use some of the same techniques so it's just a really interesting world now where these two sides are you know, playing aggressively in this game. And I think they're really directly being competitive with the Amazons and the Walmarts and the Targets. Do you think more people are shopping online as a result, or do you think they're still wanting to go into the store and experience by themselves? Oh, I mean, I think the numbers of um, online shopping, and particularly mobile mobile um, engagement, are sky high. Mm-hmm. And the traffic in stores is steadily decreasing all the time. Mm. Um, in fact, mall traffic is like abysmal right now. Mm. Um, and you can look at any holiday stats, and, and that's just the case, which is why the other trend you're starting to see is malls and shopping places become destination sites, mm-hmm. like we have in Los Angeles, the Grove. Uh-huh. Sure. Or, or even some of the Westfield malls that have great restaurants and a lot of kid activities mm-hmm. and um, sports and different things happening because people aren't going to malls just to shop anymore. Mm-hmm. So they have to create value around the experience of showing up. And then if they can get people into the mall, mm-hmm. then shopping happens. Sure. So what about shipping? Say it again? Shipping. Yeah, well, shipping now Mm -hmm. is obviously down to a science. Mm -hmm. Um, Amazon has spoiled us all. I expect everything to arrive within a day or two. Especially Um, with Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah, Amazon Mm -hmm. Prime I've had for years, Mm -hmm. and I I think um, my whole sort of working mom life depends on it. Yeah. Especially for like the birthday party rounds, right? Uh-huh. Like, like I'll remember midweek. Oh my god, we have two parties this weekend, and I, you know, go on the line and I figure out what what we're going to get. And by the way, that's exactly when I want to look at the product and read reviews and make sure I'm getting something that's age appropriate and also highly rated by moms. Mm-hmm. And I love to see videos of kids using the product. Which um, there's a site called um, Fat Brain Toys. And sometimes on that site, it's a fabulous site. They mm-hmm. have, like, comparison tools. And you can say, I've got a three-year-old girl who likes outdoors. And they'll spit up recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, but they show videos of the of the toys being used. Okay. Because you don't know. Right. You don't know what, you know what you're getting. Right. And I think there was a girl on YouTube that was doing, like, sort of product reviews of, of toys and things like yeah, that. Yeah, there and are a couple she, of different toy sites yeah, out she there. she got really famous from it, actually. Yeah, I think there's quite a few. I mean, look at what happened to Michelle Fan, right? Do you know Michelle Fan? She's like the makeup queen, basically. Okay. And um, she came out talking about showing, doing how-tos of makeup. Mm. I think her most famous one that really launched her was Lady Gaga. 
Okay. Um, it's it's amazing what she does. But now she has a makeup line, and she has other products. And her whole message is, you know, be kind to yourself, and you are valuable, and you are worthy. Um, End Mall has signed her. She's launching. She launched a makeup line through either Maybelline or L'Oreal. Mm-hmm. She has a new TV series coming out um, through End Mall and Shine. Um, so lots of things happening for her. And she started out as someone doing how tos. Yeah. And and then people would buy the makeup item that she was using from the how to site. Smart. But there was no retail connection to that yeah, right yeah. there was no like push on this youtube video and go to a basket to buy that item mm-hmm. now you're starting to see more of that being layered in where i can click on the lipstick and be taken to the site or to the basket with overlays on top of yeah, the video right. um but i think the other model of just creating this ex- experience mm-hmm. where i get educated about a product mm-hmm. is really the win-win here yeah um and i think here this is going to be more relevant to to brands and advertisers but here's something that um joya ceo her name is sukinder uh, Cassidy, and she said that that everyone in the online retail space, you know, has to move away from just thinking about engagement statistics and brand marketing when it comes to video mm-hmm. online, and that you can actually drive direct to sales with video online. Like, start to think of it more as I can actually assign a revenue per view mm-hmm. to this piece of video, not just talk about it do branding you know like mini infomercials mini infomercials and Mm -hmm. yes and going back to hsn yeah that's what hsn has done so famously and and all the different uh, you know tv shopping Mm -hmm. networks but now online you have a host of data Mm -hmm. to support everything you're doing and then you have all this great video and then you you reach out to talent Mm -hmm. you know so it blows my mind when i think about these like tech companies building out many stages in their offices in Silicon Valley yeah. to take advantage of this trend, right? Yeah. But that's that's the world that we're in, yeah. right? And they're hiring talent. Yeah. <coughs> excuse me. And and becoming experts. Yeah, that also. Makes, makes a lot of sense. Um, it, what I was talking about earlier was more about the as-seen-on-TV demonstrations. Yes, 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 yes. So the people who go and buy the product and then they actually do a, a you know, non-biased review. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. I've seen, I've seen that model too and mm-hmm. I, and, and that absolutely works. But remember, for a long time, it was dial this 800 number. Yeah. You know, it was those late night infomercials, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so we're, all we're doing is we're taking that phenomena and that behavior that yeah. kind of worked. Mm-hmm. But now we're backing into technology, big data, you know, and the ability to really understand what the user is doing and right. how powerful video content is. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. And you're starting to see like other sites, like there's a company called Fuse Media, who I absolutely love as well. And they have a way to really create interactive overlays on top of video really quickly. Mm. So it's not this painful process because for years it's been so painful. And so you're starting to see brands use that mm-hmm. so that the video window has like hot spots on it and you can roll over it to find out more product information and then click on it to go to a place where you can buy the product or find out more. And so really just creating an experience for a consumer that makes it easy for me to buy. Yeah. And I actually noticed that with, um, I have ATT, uh, ATT. Yep. Yeah, and I was watching something on DVR, 
and it was like click here you know for more information and this was a dvr so this wasn't live and i could actually click there and it would bring me up to another information page and that would resume yep. later and that's those are called interactive ads or i yeah. ads and um i tried to do a bunch of those a couple years ago more in the cable ecosystem mm -hmm. and it was very painful because mm. all the cable companies have different technology and different set-top boxes yeah. and they couldn't tell you the data and all of that but in an IP world, mm -hmm. in an internet protocol world yeah. with fiber, yeah. like UVerse or um, even with um, a FiOS, mm -hmm. um, you're 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 basically mirroring the same behaviors that I would have at my desktop. Yeah. But with my remote control. Yeah. You know, um, I think the big joke for years and years and years was. You know, I want to buy Jennifer Aniston's T-shirt sweater uh, on Friends. Uh -huh. That was like the one line that everyone would say at any like interactive TV panel about commerce. Uh -huh. You know, um, but the truth is the cable operators are woefully behind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, broadband is driving a lot of tech solutions much faster than anybody else is. You would think with smart TVs we'd be a little more... Oh advanced. my God, that's a whole nother conversation. I mean, it's yeah. kind of heartbreaking, really. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because they all have, again, they suffer from the same legacy infrastructures. Yeah. You know, I think Samsung's actually just shutting down their um, connected TV interface and some of the channels and protocols that they were using and swapping it out because it didn't work. Hmm. You know, and as a brand, again, do I want to create the same connected tv app a hundred different times so it works on all these different things yeah, right, right. i'd rather just build it once, once and have yeah. it work it work on the internet exactly you yeah. know so so there's all that challenges and yeah. we're gonna dial up eric in a minute mm -hmm. but the other thing um that i thought was really interesting was that for a long time and this is still happening you have a lot of brands who want to prove that watching something online does drive to purchase mm -hmm. and you and i were kind of saying well people aren't going into stores anymore but with a lot of this type of content and if there's some sort of delivery of a code or a coupon or something like that you yeah. can tie offline and online together yeah you know um and so certainly with the mobile phone which could be you know a whole discussion in itself mm -hmm. you're starting to see all sorts of proximity solutions and beaconing and things like that that will allow for you to really understand what that consumer is doing. Right. So it's crazy, sexy stuff. So let's try and dial up Eric okay. and see if we can get him on the horn. All right. Um, and I'll give a little background on Eric. So Eric is the CEO of Hawk Media, and he's been involved with the execution and delivery of consumer-facing e-commerce e e companies for the last seven years. He's worked with Verizon, Bally's, Red Bull, and Evite. In fact, I actually met him through Verizon um, when we were working on an internet retailer conference. Mm -hmm. um, so he's like the most knowledgeable guy in the world about e-commerce. Um, he always blows my mind. So let's see if we can get him. Nope. He no, not got there. his voicemail, so I tried. Let's try it. Well, I'll text him, and while okay. we're still chatting sure. some more, the other thing that I was going to try and do today was to uh, to per Periscope while I was broadcasting. Have you played with Periscope at no, all? No, what's that? So Periscope is um, part of Twitter's new video solution. I'm just dialing hmm. Eric right now. Um, are you there? <laughs> um, I also have another question for you. Well, per uh, Periscope is, is streaming, is a live streaming solution that sits on top of Twitter's API, basically. Oh. So you, you download Periscope, and it basically logs you in through Twitter. And so you have access to all your Twitter friends and to mm -hmm. all the people that you follow. And then you can just click a button and stream live. 
Nice. So right now what we can do while we're looking for Eric to join mm-hmm. is um, I'm going to dial up Periscope and I'm going to I'm gonna, um, stream us. All right. And Periscope, I'm actually stream you, John. Okay. And, and Periscope was um, was bought by Twitter back in January. But the big darling at South by Southwest in this space was a company called Meerkat. So a couple of weeks ago, everyone was really excited about Meerkat. Mm-hmm. Oh, Eric said he's on. Okay. And what I'm doing right now is we are broadcasting live on Periscope with John. So say hi. Hello. And we are here talking about commerce and content on Universal, the broadcasting network. Um, and I'm just going to turn the camera around. Okay. And see if we can. Hi. There you are. We're here talking about content and commerce. And I have Eric on the line. And we have Eric on the line. Eric Huberman of Hawk Media. Eric, say hi to everybody. Hi, So, um, Eric is again from Hawk Media, and we're calling him the um, the outsource CMO, or that's actually what Eric calls himself. Eric, tell us a little bit about Hawk Media and what you're doing there. Sure. So, basically, we act as an outsource CMO and digital marketing teams for a lot of big and small brands. The idea being um, a la carte and month to month, so we can look at a brand and really. Uh, assess what their needs are and where they're missing holes in their marketing team and just plug in whether it's taking over the entire digital marketing arm of their business or just plugging one single thing like influencer marketing or email marketing, Facebook marketing, those kind of things. And um, you are one of the few people I know that knows more about retail than anybody I know. Did the did the retail piece or uh, the commerce piece was that what people first came to you for, and is that why you developed such an expertise in it? Uh, so I've had three different uh, e-commerce companies that all have done pretty well. Uh, first was a music company and one-on-one coaching, but the second two were both uh, fashion companies, a uh, T-shirt subscription company called Swag of the Month that I sold, and then a company out of science, uh, the incubator in Santa Monica that launched like Dollar Shave Club. I was head of marketing for a company called Ellie which is an active brand. So got hands-on experience before going to the outsource CMO kind of model. Yeah, and tell us a little bit more about that model because it's, it's fascinating. And people who aren't in the agency business don't necessarily understand how revolutionary this model is. Um, but maybe you could set the stage set the stage for that because it's, it's literally fascinating and it's so modern what you're doing. Sure, um, and thank you. Uh, basically, <laughs> I'm, our, your, I'm your biggest <laughs> fan. <laughs> John, I appreciate it. They, uh, really, what I saw being on the brand side was there were a few kind of pain points. One was you had to go to so many different agencies to do so many different things. So if I wanted to do Facebook marketing, I had my Facebook agency. Then I had a search agency. And then when I go to these like one-stop shop, you know, as they call themselves, full-service agencies, they never really actually had this, the right culture or, you know, kind of, the, yeah, I'd say the right culture to actually be full service, to actually replace having a marketing team. So um, that mixed with the fact that every one of them would serve me with these six-month or one-year agreements that, I, why am I signing a six-month agreement when I've never worked with you before? That's like sign, getting married to someone that I just got a phone call from. Like, mm-hmm. it shouldn't work that way. <laughs> and if you're, Boy, you if, just described my dating life. Do a, <laughs> sorry, and, and I was going to say, if you're going to do a good job as an agency, now there's going to be things that you lose clients over, but there's usually going to be things that you should lose clients over, whether you're not performing or they have an internal problem that they have to fire you. There's, neither way should you be locking someone in. You should just be setting expectations. And most of our clients stick around for 
you know, I think the our average client stays for close to a year. It's not an issue. We don't have an attrition issue at all because we do what we say we're going to do and people get what they expect. And so we haven't needed contracts. And that's been very a, a kind of breath of fresh air to a lot of uh, brands because they can try it out with us. They can use us as a sandbox and testing ground for new marketing channels because back to the culture statement, we're more about just we hire smart people and quick learners, not necessarily just people that know that one channel and are never going to learn anything again. Because as we've seen in the short time we've been in business even, things change and pivot constantly. New marketing channels come out. Snapchat launches its advertising. You know, Influencer marketing becomes less direct response and more brand-driven, and you can't get the same results off of it. All sorts of things that we stay on top of so that we constantly add value. Yeah, because you're living and breathing this world on a daily basis, um, and you're not you're not trying to pay for butts and seats that have nothing to do with that client's business. You know, which is re- which is really exactly. the stress on the current model where a big agency is paying for everybody else on that client's dollar when they have nothing to do with that piece of business, and that was just an accepted model yep. for so long. Um, well, we were talking about Joyous.com, who you turned me on to and who I'm obsessed about and who I've, I've gotten them uh-huh. spe- speaking gigs all year long because I just think what they're doing is so revolutionary. So can you tell us some of the trends that you're seeing in the commerce space? I talked a lot about content driving commerce and about the um, reiterating that a lot of these new commerce sites do to respond to the user experience and, and really paying attention to their data and rebuilding their sites you know, monthly as opposed to some of the big monolith sites. So what are, what are the, some of the other trends that you're seeing in the e-commerce space? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, honestly, I think content, it, it's so funny because you go out to any marketing conference, any retail conference, everybody talks about content just king. It is the buzzword of the day, but then you go to execute it, and so many brands still don't understand when they, what they need. And we are finally in, I'd say, maybe the past couple months, seeing brands open, for lack of a better term, open their wallets to the idea of content marketing and the idea of this long tail, you know, customer nurturing thing where they're generating content and producing content and becoming their own publishers. And that actually does have a translation. I mean, looking at the best examples always are Red Bull, GoPro, you know, these are companies that have done an incredible job of generating content. But honestly, it's not pitching their brand. It's more about just content people want to digest and it happens to highlight their brand constantly, you can see the results in the long term. But what they can't do, which is what a lot of marketers struggle with, is they can't draw a straight line to the ROI of putting money into content marketing, which right, is what people right. are starting to be okay with not knowing. They're, they're, um, they're actually um, want that direct ROI. And it's funny that you say all that because Joyous Sukhinder actually speaks a lot about, think about video as direct response, not just for brand marketing. So she's kind of gone even further out and said, video can push to the basket. So don't only think about it for storytelling. Do you, do you agree with that as well? I think, yes, I do. Uh, the problem is the performance for video on direct response is not as high as the performance on, an example, Facebook, a Facebook advertisement. And we've actually tested Facebook video versus just Facebook banners. Banners still perform better based on the cost. Oh, than okay. video because videos on a direct response yeah got it like, but once again you, you run a company on direct response and you're building a house of cards the moment you stop that and the moment you or the moment you saturate and your audience you're done 
Right, right. And and that's more for like local markets come to the tire store and, you know, get the tires this weekend um, as opposed to right. a more, you know, global uh, or national play where you're storytelling. I just saw a great case study by the folks over at 72 and Sunny with their Starbucks client. I don't know huh? if you saw this stuff. It was called Meet Me in Starbucks. And um, it was shot about a year ago, and it was uh, basically a documentary. They sent out directors to Starbucks globally on one day, and they followed people at Starbucks that they had identified. And they just followed what they were doing at Starbucks, and and they threw it all together. And there's like a, like I think a three-minute version of the documentary but then they also built a new video window with youtube youtube helped them and you can actually see like a gallery of fun little interactive Mm. um, videos it looks like gifts but it's actually video that you can roll over and pick which story you want to follow and then they also made the long story um, have little like bumps on the video line where you could like click in on the bump and go into a deeper version of the story but their whole thing here was I don't want to see product shots. I'm not highlighting any products. I am really just here to specifically mm-hmm. talk about the I, the ethos, the attributes of Starbucks and why life exactly. happens at Starbucks. And I think they were very pleased with it. What I was more curious about, and I don't know wh- wh- where you're seeing activity um, here, is um, where are the budget's coming from for content. Because are they coming out of content budgets from a brand are they coming out of pr or are they coming out of media uh, marketing marketing coming out of marketing and, yeah and and sometimes their media budget but it, which is kind of goes hand in hand but it's, it's a market usually i'm seeing it's a marketing expense sometimes they justify it in pr but you know most of the time pr is doing what they're doing in terms of external content and that's obviously a little different but from a content generation i usually see it coming out of you know some side of their digital budget their marketing budget yeah, it's so interesting because I asked the 72 and Sunny folks, and they said that they ended up getting the um, the budget for this from a lot of different business units inside of Starbucks. But it also included a media budget to drive people within the YouTube environment to see the video. So it's not like you know media buys still need to happen. People still have to find and discover the content. Yeah. But then you need a separate budget for the content itself. And that's what people have such a hard time wrapping their heads around, right? And that's what people forget. And then people forget that content isn't about just building it and waiting for them to come. This isn't feel the dreams. Um, (laughs) You've got to syndicate that content. And there's got to be a, you know, a steroids put behind it, for lack of a better term, where it's, you're going to use, like if it's written content, you're going to use Outbrain, Taboola, these networks. And just for those that don't know, these are, where you pay to have, like, if you're reading an article on CNN and you see all the suggested articles at the bottom, notice they're not usually on CNN because people are paying for that space to put their content in front of readers that may be interested in reading their content. That's a right. very good strategy for a lot of brands. There's a lot of big ones that we work with that use that as their number one driver. That's like um, uh, the native then, native advertising mm-hmm. that we were talking about earlier. Um, where Joya Sukinder, the CEO there, speaks about that a lot, that she really depends on native advertising to draw traffic into that great video content that she's creating. Are there other trends in commerce that you're seeing that are exciting you? Um, The the ease of mobile is getting better. I've seen, obviously, mobile traffic is like something like 70% of commerce traffic now. Um, but people have traditionally had to either make a mobile site 
and respo- making a responsive site is now a very, very simple process. And that is new, I'd say, in the past year that has become easier. And so most responsive as a whole, which meaning where the site actually changes to fit mobile better so that you can capture a mobile audience better is becoming a lot easier, and we're just seeing the benefits there. I think that's been great for for commerce online. That has been, you know, night and day because, I mean, traditionally before that, the conversion rates on a site on mobile that hasn't been optimized for mobile, it, it's about a tenth of what it is on desktop. Now we're seeing similar rates to mobile. I think also just as a culture, people are more comfortable putting their credit card in on their cell phone these days. Or yeah, things yeah. like Apple Pay help as well. Yeah, all those different things that, you know, I mean, I can't stand whipping out my credit card and entering it on websites anymore. I mean, I always try and use yeah. PayPal mm-hmm. or whatever other instantaneous thing because then it's like too much effort. You know, um, and it shuts yep. me down. But what I've also noticed about a lot of these native advertising sites or the sites that are kind of clickbait is the user experience is horrible. You know, you're reading a native ad. Yep. You go to, like, follow it through where they make all their money. And then all of a sudden your phone is just filled with, like, banner ads and pop-up ads. And then you can't even find the article. <laughs> you know? It's yep. so horrible. Well, that's, and that's something we harp on a lot, which is keep it simple. I mean, that's the function of a site, not just taking a WordPress or a Shopify layout and just making an easy site that's already built to be responsive. You know, these newer companies, a lot of them still think that building a custom site is a good thing. And now, I mean, I can tell you our our whole team cringes when we hear custom. I mean, it's just, there's no reason. I mean, unless you have some crazy proprietary software you're building, I'm, and I'm, when I'm speaking to commerce, obviously there's reasons to build a site from scratch if you're building a new web product. But when you're an e-commerce company, you're a product company, focus on what you're good at and use the tools out there that are available to make it easy because they're there. You oh, know, yeah, 10 really years ago point. you couldn't do this, but the tools are now amazing. Well, and you and I are heading out next week to the iMedia Commerce Summit. And you're going to be moderating yeah, a real, Minneapolis. the Minneapolis. Uh, hopefully Minneapolis will... Um, have some snow because <laughs> I'm so sick of the heat. But uh, in April, but um, what, what you're you're uh, moderating a panel about sort of some of the bigger trends that big retailers are are up against, which is that they're actually being um, there's competition to these big retailers from little little tiny companies that specialize in just niche content. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that's absolutely fascinating that these big sites have yeah, to w- I mean, worry about these little tiny startups. Yeah, I mean, and what it is is it's just anyone can start a company now. I will tell you, right, like, I found someone with a cool product. I could have them an e-commerce site built by the end of the weekend and get this launched and going. Like, it's, it's so – and that's not because I'm good at – that's not necessarily my skill set. I'm just talking about, like, someone can go Google how to build their own e-commerce site in a weekend. Like, it's not hard anymore. The, the hard part's getting through the fluff, but if you really do have a good product these days – there's ways to do that, and that's what, at the end of the day, you have to live and die by your product. But if you have a good product, you can get market share very quickly. People are not loyal. So companies that have been established and large for a long time, I mean, examples would be like a Nasty Gal, where they came up with a brand and got a lot of great products, and, you know, they're competing with the Nordstrom and Bloomingdale's and these established giant conglomerates, you know, as this new retail site where... They're, they were a nobody, but now all the, you know, a lot of women like to shop there instead. And attacking these niches and knocking off pieces of market share from these big conglomerates is becoming easier, not harder. 
And so what, what we're talking about a little bit in Minneapolis is to those big brands, what, how do they defend their market share? How do you stand on top of, you know, if you're, I don't want to name any names to anger anyone, but if you're some of these big, you know, retail stores, these big brands, you know, let's take, you know, another example would be look at Dollar Shave Club. Yes, yeah. Disrupting the entire, right, disrupting the shaving market. I'm part well, of them. So is Nasty, is Nasty Girl a niche site, though? Like, or is only a certain demographic going there, and do they only sell a particular kind of product, or are they as uh, diverse as a Nordstrom's would be? So I would go to them all the time, or would I only go to them? I would they want to be diverse. They hit, they hit a less niche on the product level and more niche on, I'd say, the uh, the brand the concept. Level. Yeah, the brand exactly. They, so the, they're they, not as wide pleasing everybody. But okay. that being said, you you could definitely a certain type of person could do all their shopping there. What about also um, so many questions for you because he's yeah. so. Goddamn smart. <laughs> but um, what about all these mobile apps where you're posting what you want to buy? Like, um, I think uh, Wanalo and um, there's one called Hunt. And there's a bunch of them now where you download the app and you, you post what you want. And then the community tells you where it is. And then, you, you know, you get sent deals on it. Do you th- think those are like long long-term experiences or will those burn out as a fad or what's, what's going on in that sort of community-based crowdsource product shopping? Sure. Uh, without trying to say that I'm necessarily the ex- the expert on the shopping side, you know, I'm still a young adult guy that doesn't do a lot of shopping. I would say that they all seem like features. <laughs> stick with me. A function of where we're at. <laughs> yeah. What's that? I said, stick with me. I'm a yeah. professional shopper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that it's it's more of a function of we're at a place where everybody. Once again, you can start a company so easily. You come up with an easy uh, any kind of idea, you can go launch it. I really think that we're a lot of people are coming out with apps that are more feature than uh, company. As in, that's that's a cool like feature for Nordstrom's to have. Where I saw something I really like, I take a picture now. Nordstrom's tells me this is what it, here's a similar product. But for an app to have that, people don't want this many different apps on their phone. And they're going to have a core audience that loves what they do, but I don't think that's mass market. Right, uh, so, you, so you think it'll all calm down eventually and maybe the bigger brick, brick and mortars will purchase these sites or will use what's working about them to their advantage? Yeah, and not to be doom and gloom, but I think eventually a lot of these companies are going to not make money and people are going to start stop investing in them. Right, right, right. So there'll be there'll be the bubble will burst a little bit in that area. Are there any tre- trends coming up that haven't quite launched yet that you're excited about, or anything that you're starting to see percolate that that you can get us excited yeah, I mean, about? I think uh, on the same note, there are a lot of cool softwares and features coming out and updates that are going to change the way e-commerce works. Not in terms of like a you know paradigm shift, but just simple things like digital sizing, the virtual reality stuff that's making it, the measuring tools that Bloomingdale's now has that you can go in there and get your sizing and know how things fit you on their website. Like these are pretty cool things that are pain points for a lot of digital shoppers. Right. Like almost like the virtual glasses that, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, you know, the Oculus, not no, the, uh, regular glasses. Um, you know, the company, Yeah, uh, uh, regular glasses, sunglasses and regular glasses where you can buy it all online and it puts the glasses on your face, um, 
you know, oh, in, yeah. in the online experience. Like Coastal.com? Yeah, it's Coastal, but it's also, okay. oh, my God, and now they have their own stores. The, the well, well-known... Um, Warby Parker, you mean, right? Warby War- Parker. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Oh, my God, my brain stopped yeah. working. Um, I was just telling right. telling John in our audience that I I had a, a ruckus uh, kosher chicken experience today. Um, <laughs> a Passover <laughs> Easter kosher chicken explosion. So my head is a little uh, backwards, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Don't worry. Um, so, uh, so you, so you'll see some of that uh, that technology um, rise rise to the top. John, you had a question for Eric. Yeah, I was just wondering. You said that anybody can start a e commerce business these days, and I'm wondering what are the best merchant accounts and shopping carts that you would recommend. Honestly, uh, we live by Shopify. When we when it's a simple, when there's not anything crazy needed, mm-hmm. you know, I tell everybody to launch an e-commerce. You're not a tech company. You're a product company. What's right. important is right. whatever you're selling. You know, whether you're a merchandiser or a, or a manufacturer, you've got to focus on that. So Shopify, I really like. I'm not sponsored by them, I promise. <laughs> um, hey, maybe you should we, be now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, maybe we should talk to them yeah. about sponsoring you. Right. Um, I might have to put a call in, but yeah, they're, they're great. And um, so it's sort it's, of a it's, it's a like, one-stop shop, like a turnkey solution. Yeah. Okay. Well, they have a great marketplace for uh, different like plugins. So a shipping plugin, you know, that makes it so you can just go to a quick print, and all your printing shipping labels are charged to your credit card and print out, and you can go ship it right there. Like all these things that you can set up mm-hmm. that you can operate a small business out of your home using Shopify, and you're talking about overhead being. You know, 150 bucks a month once you're all said and done. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. I would love to sell a lot of uh, the junk that we have, right. which would be like half of my <laughs> husband's, um, you know, storage. <laughs> One day yeah. he'd come home and it would be all gone right. and I would have Shopify to thank. Because um, there are a lot of markets in that area, mm-hmm. too, to get rid of your own junk. Yeah. You know, sort of community-based uh-huh. shopping of, of used products. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's so much... Yep. Uh, sort of community stuff going mm-hmm. on in this space. It's so interesting. Um, what about what about virtual currencies and cryptocurrency? Do you see Bitcoin and all the things happening in that space, which is kind of volatile and nobody really understands it, but there is activity there. Are you paying attention to that? Is that a, a part of your world now where you have to explain Bitcoin to clients? Are they asking about it? You know, where, where are you on in that, that virtual currency area? Sure. So uh, I'm definitely paying attention. I've been looking at Bitcoin since it was 10 bucks a coin and watched it go to 1200 a coin and then back down. So, uh, But I'm one of the maybe the few people in tech that's not an evangelist for it. I don't think it's a currency. I think it's a great – and now they're starting – I'm watching a lot of the Bitcoin people almost backpedal a little bit and agree that it's a way to move dollars in a cheaper way. It's not a currency. It's a great way to, you know, to transfer money into Bitcoin and be able to transfer money without banks. Mm-hmm. That's where it's interesting. And I think that the whole, as they call it now, blockchain and the way they move money is where the interest is in Bitcoin. But the actually investing in Bitcoin and taking Bitcoin, I honestly am not the biggest proponent for. No, it's, I, I it's I mean, interesting. A, yeah, but, but there's a lot of why not. I'll, let me actually validate that. A lot of, when you're, with, with an e-commerce site, you can plug in a thing like GoCoin and accept Bitcoin, and then you're just opening yourself up to that tiny market of Bitcoin users that are going to like you better. So why not? Yeah, it's uh, so interesting. What you made me think of is also at this Commerce Summit, we're having a gentleman by the name of Michael Turpin speak who's – 
well known in the social space, and he's got a company I called know Michael Well. Yeah, he's got a company called Bit Angels, right? And so he's really uh-huh. d- deep in in this space. He's been putting together a lot of startups around the um, cryptocurrency area, and has a lot of partners in the space. But one of the things he said to me which it took him so long to explain it because I was at a table with some brand marketers and we were like, what are you talking about? And he said he thinks where this whole thing is going is that the exchange is going to take over the cloud and that instead of the cloud being the distribution for the internet, that this new technology that this guy created that is the Bitcoin you know, exchange, the block, that's going to become the new internet, that we're all going to be exchanging content and services off of a Bitcoin block. Hmm. What, do, what do you think about that? Is that crazy land? I don't think it's crazy land. I think it's, I mean, let's put it this way. Everything's crazy land in the Internet. I mean, at the end of the yeah. day. That, that, it's, well said. I don't know mm-hmm. that it's going to replace the Internet. I think that's a big statement. And not a big statement in terms of ambitious, but big as in the Internet's bigger than how you transfer, you know, all information. It's all the transfer of information. I don't think all the transfer of information needs to be done in an encrypted way, such as the blockchain. I think that definitely makes sense for a lot of the cloud computing stuff happening mm-hmm. because it's just more secure, from yeah. my understanding. So I, that, that makes sense. I mean, it, at some point, it seems like it's incumbent on a lot of these types of companies to start utilizing that same type of technology to transfer data, which is exactly what they're doing with Bitcoin. Um, so I understand what he's saying, and I think that that's very possible. It's very, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it was really hard for everyone at the table I was at, we were at South by and we were having this conversation and they couldn't wrap their head around it because no one really understands your average marketer, even technologist mm-hmm. doesn't totally understand Bitcoin. So then when you start to talk about it, not as a financial metaphor, sure. but just as a, you know, facilitator of exchange, then people's minds. Well, a lot of people of, don't understand cloud-based computing. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, that, that's just ridiculous. I mean, yeah. you just draw, draw a picture of a cloud and two arrows and you're fine. <laughs> well, my, my last question for you, I know, isn't it ridiculous? My last question for you, Eric, is where do you keep up, where do you go to find out the latest? Because, you, you know, you are really someone that I always call, uh, particularly around this topic, but just in general around the latest technologies online and you know, what clients are actually doing. So how do you keep up with everything? What, what are you reading or where do you go to, to to find out new stuff? So there's a few. Uh, obviously, the typical tech crimes, Mashable, all the, you know, Panda Daily, the typical tech publications that are super helpful because uh, they're definitely, their job is to stay on top of it, so I let them do it for me. But I also surround myself with a lot of people in the industry. And my even if, you know, I, let's say it's a digital marketer or an e-commerce company I'm not working with, there's no reason we can't be friends and share information. So I get a lot of insights from companies that aren't necessarily my clients either that we still grab lunch once a month. We still talk about what they're doing and what we're doing. And, you know, oftentimes I'll add value to them. And we really value ourselves as a company on execution. So I'm never afraid to share what we're doing or how we're doing it. I'm not going to share our customers' data, but I'll share the the overall idea that, like, email marketing is performing really well for us or we're seeing great returns on Facebook, those kind of things that then if I share a little bit, the brand will share right back. Well, that's a great point. So your network is really a great source of information, which I think a lot of our guests have said is that their network, they mm-hmm. go out to lunch with their friends, sure. they keep their com- the conversations going. Do you attend a lot of trade shows? I know I invite you to speak at a lot of them, but, <laughs> <laughs> but are there some that you absolutely go to for your, you know, for your own hunger for knowledge? Um. To be frank, without trying to burn any bridges, I haven't seen anything recently that has just blown me away trade show-wise. 
you know, most of the time trade shows are a great place for me to meet people. It's not been a great place for me to learn new things. Right, right. And I've attended a lot of the retail trade shows, but that's because I'm not necessarily the audience. I'm someone that lives and breathes this every day. Mm-hmm. So they, if they catered to me, they'd have a lot smaller of an audience. And so it's, it is tough for me to find, you know, Something, the yeah. trade show that does, that would be good for me. What's been better, to be honest, are entrepreneur groups and smaller organizations that have either guest speakers and things like that, where I can go to someone that's very specifically someone I am looking to learn from and talk to them. That's really where I'm going to be able to learn more. So incubators, startup groups, organizations where people are doing new things and are sharing, things like that. Correct. And there's a lot of CEO, you know, networking groups and things like that that help a lot. Well, that's great. I'm going to um, talk to you about that offline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no problem. So, so any, anything that we can look out for before we say goodbye that you just worked on that just launched or any, any of your clients doing anything that you want um, everybody to check out? Um, I mean, we've got a lot of great clients doing a lot of cool things. We just started working with uh, Rachel Zoe and her Zoe report. She just launched her subscription box that is really interesting because it's really a stylist coming into this that hasn't in that whole subscription space so oh, wow. they okay. sold out their first box in four hours that's been it's been pretty cool wow that's uh, great doing great things with uh, in case so you know everybody knows them as like the iphone laptop case company they're really doing a lot of cool things i mean there's a we, and we have a ton of great brands Buscemi shoes which has been the most shocking success story for me because because once again not being the shopper i am you know they're high-end shoes and mo- almost like in a streetwear vibe but at a you know very high price, high end, very very high end would be the best way to put it. But they're the way they're growing, the way they're doing, the things they're doing, the way they built the brand is just incredible. But they've been awesome as well. And yeah, I mean a lot of great things. Well, we'll we'll check all of those out. Well, I'll be seeing you next week at the iMedia Commerce Summit, and you can check out other things about Hawk Media at hawkmedia.com. And then Eric, what's your uh, Twitter handle so we can follow you there? At Eric Huberman, E-R-I-K-H-U-B-E-R-M-A-M. And then um, Eric, also, if you sign up on his site, he publishes a great newsletter that always has really good information about this space. So let's have a hand from our studio audience. (laughs) It's so crowded in here. Um, the, the women in the audience have been staring at your picture. Well, I hope you'll join us again, maybe in person, if I don't call you like the day before. <laughs> um, yeah. And realize and yeah, have, no have, have a great um, Easter, Passover, uh, or just a plain weekend, whatever you have mm-hmm. going on. And thank you so much yeah. for joining us on the Tech Cat Show. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you guys soon. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to wrap it up here. That was our deep dive into e-commerce and content and commerce coming together. And the fabulous Eric Huberman has so many interesting things going on. But definitely check out Hawk Media because just their model alone, if you're a small company and you need some marketing services, he's just got such a great model Mm -hmm. and such an insightful guy. And, again, sign up for his newsletter. And join us in a couple of weeks here on the Tech Cat Show. So lovely to see all of you. And um, have a great weekend with eggs, chocolate, and pot roast. (laughs) (laughs) Now that you've found UBN Radio and discovered our quality talk shows, it's time to spread the word to friends, family, and the universe 24 hours of music and talk radio without limits that's why people keep coming back for more that's ubnradio.com